Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Powering your property on Money FM 89.3. Homeowners in Singapore will have to brace themselves for higher mortgage repayments as banks here continue to raise interest rates for their home loan offerings. The lenders are taking their cues, of course, from U.S. Fed Reserve, which has made three rate hikes this year to combat surging inflation. And with the Fed looking at more interest rate increases this year, where are mortgage rates in Singapore headed? And what can homeowners do if you are a homeowner and you're wondering about that? Well, listen in because Nicholas Mack, Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Real Estate, is joining me now to talk more about what is happening and what you can expect. Nicholas, thanks for your time. Oh, it's always great to be on your program. Thank you. Well, Nicholas, before we talk about those rising interest rates, the URA's flash estimates of private home prices for the second quarter of this year, showing prices up about 3.2% quarter on quarter versus the 0.7% in Q1. So year on year, private home prices are up about 10.3%. Now, what is causing this price growth? Well, the main drivers of this price growth is actually the prices of new residential launches, projects that are launched by developers, and they are sold at prices that are higher than comparable resale properties in that same neighborhood. Take, for example, Piccadilly Grand is uh, one example. The other one is Leaf at MB. That's the one at Mountbatten. The first project was launched at $2,175 per square foot, the median price. And the second one, which is at Mountbatten, somewhere in the East Coast, uh, it is at $2,408 hmm. per square foot. So it's more expensive than the neighboring projects. And that is one of the key contributing factors. Nicholas, the effects of property cooling measures introduced last December, are they working? Well, they did cool down the, or slow down the pace of uh, price increase in the first quarter. The, the rate of increase, price increase actually fell to just 0.7% uh, mm-hmm. in the first quarter compared to a quite astonishing um, Five percent rate of quarter on quarter rate of growth in the fourth quarter. I think that that might be one reason that prompted the government to introduce a round of cooling measures. Um, but I think that confidence has returned to the market, and other things have started to overtake the market. Like for example, higher inflation, and people might see that property could be a hedge against rising inflation. And sometimes there could also be self fulfilling prophecy, which is people hmm. might think that well, if prices are rising, the government might come up with another surprise round of cooling measures, so I better buy first. Ah. And that actually (laughs) led to more people going to the show flat. Another contributing reason is that there is actually a dwindling supply of new project launches. Developers' um, inventory of Mm. unlaunched and unsold residential units are actually falling. So with dwindling supply and demand remaining quite stable, it's not surprising that prices increase. Okay, Nicholas, so with this interest rates going up now, does it pose major headwind for private home market? Well, it does pose headwinds for almost any kind of a more open property market. I think it a bit probably both more headwinds in other overseas markets like Australia than in Singapore. Mm. One of the reasons is because in Singapore, a large number of people are living in HDB flats, over 80% right. uh, of the red, about 83%. And in HDB, in the HDB housing market, people, uh, some of the buyers actually could be eligible for HDB loans, which is just 
0.1% above the CPF rate, which currently uh, that CPF, uh, the loans interest rate is 2.6%. So it may not be such a problem for people who are eligible for the HDB loan. And But on the private housing market, it might pose a bit of slight headwinds for people who are buying for their for investments, uh, probably a bit more for investments than for those who are buying for owner occupations. Because if you are buying a home for your own stay, uh, at most is that you might have to adjust your housing budget a bit lower. But uh, if you have a steady job, steady income, um, most of the time it is still quite affordable because the banks would already have factored that in when they grant you the loan. That is true. All right, Nicholas. We're talking to Nicholas Mack, by the way, Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Real Estate here on Powering Your Property this afternoon. Nicholas, a combination of rising interest rates and rising property prices bound to impact buyers' affordability as well. So I guess the question is, where does that tipping point lie? Well, I think that we must also bear in mind that even though interest rates is rising, but so are other things. Like, for example, it's um, the price of um, many goods and services are also rising uh, with uh, interest rates, the, uh, with, with uh, inflation. And the other thing is that household income is also rising. Take, for example, uh, the latest statistics from the Singapore government is that in 2021, the median resident household income is $8,220 uh, per month. And that is a 6.1% increase over the previous year's household income numbers. Mm -hmm. So household income is also rising even during the pandemic. And I think the other thing is that if people are still a bit concerned, actually recently my team and I, we have completed research about where to find the cheapest or most affordable HDB flats in Singapore, which town actually is bucking the trend. And we'll be posting the report shortly on my Facebook, LinkedIn, and also on the ERA. (laughs) Any any uh, hint of which which geographic? location not don't have to be exact in which town but yeah the towns that actually do come out quite consistently among the top 10 cheapest towns with most affordable hdb flats are sambawang woodlands jurong and also in chua chukang just a few of them but surprisingly sometimes even those in the central mature estates such as Angmokyo do appear and Tuapayo do appear from time to time. So, well, I don't want to give any spoilers. I think there, <laughs> so, so for those who are, it. who are yes. report. Yeah, for those who are interested to find out the findings from Nicholas's report, you can, where, where can we get it again from your Facebook? Yes, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And also it will uh, shortly be on the ERA website. Okay, there you go, guys, if you want to find out where you can still afford to buy these places. Elsewhere, Nicholas, HDB has offered two more choices for owners of the Angmokyo flats that are undergoing the selective on-block redevelopment scheme to meet the different rehousing needs, I guess, of people living there. Do you think that the impression have changed in terms of the Angmokyo service exercise? Well, I think that the Angmokyo service exercise actually attracted quite a bit of uh, attention because the residents were complaining that they had to top up if they were to move laterally. Let's say from uh, their existing flat, it's a four-room flat, and they were to move to a new four-room flat, they might have to top up. The reason is because this the, four, the selected blocks of flats for SERS older than previous HDB flats that were selected for SERS. And because of their shorter remaining lease, mm-hmm. um, and they will be getting a brand new flat with a fresh 99-year lease, the difference in the value uh, caused some of them to have to top up. And in response to that, 
the government actually came up with two more options, especially for senior citizens. I think, but uh, by and large, the in the past, people might think of if your block of HDB flat is selected for service, it's like you strike lottery. That's yeah. because 20 years ago, many of the flats still have a substantial length of lease, sometimes as much as 70 years left on the, on the lease. So as a result, their valuation of their flat is higher. Mm. But now some of the flats may have used up about 40 40 odd years of their lease and with a shorter remaining lease the value would not be as high so I think flat owners need to bear in mind the HDB flats the lease do run down and that does have right. an impact on the value of the flat Okay, so with the Ang Mo Kyo Sir's exercise in the spotlight now many are also wondering mm. what will happen in the future with the voluntary early redevelopment scheme mm. Well, I think this is a bit of curtain raiser for what might happen. The verse ERS is expected to be, uh, the details is expected to be announced probably in, well, maybe one or two decades from now. Okay. And by then, some of the our HDB flats might only left a remaining lease of 40 to 60 years left. Hmm. But I think it's more of the older ones, those that have might be crossed the 50-year mark. Um that might be uh, selected for verse. And I think what I'm looking at this is that the government might offer similar scheme, which is that, let's say, if your flat has a remaining lease of 50 years, they might offer a brand new flat, but also with a year's, just 50 years left, so that people do not need to top up. Because some of them say that, well, I'm already 65 years old, I don't need a fresh 99-year lease. Mm-hmm. And I, it's more important for them to keep part of the cash for their retirement purpose. So for some senior citizens, selecting a flat with a shorter lease might make more financial sense. Okay, I get it. All right. Thank you very much, Nicholas, for um, explaining all of this uh, to us. Very valuable information there. Nicholas Mack is Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Real Estate. You're listening to Powering Your Property here on Primetime on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.